0: Hello and welcome to Addressing Alaskans, a program capturing community conversations in south-central Alaska. Join us on Alaska Public Media as we travel to different spots
1: throughout our community and listen to local groups gathered to discuss what matters to Alaskans. For this week's program, we have Ballot Measure 1, Fish Habitat, a forum featuring guests on opposing sides of the issue making their case and taking questions from the audience. Representing Stand for Alaska, Vote No on 1, is Mike Satry, Manager of Government and Community Relations for Hecla Greens Creek Mining Company. Representing Stand for Salmon is Emily Anderson, Alaska Program Director for Wild Salmon Center. The discussion was moderated by Coast Alaska News Director Jacob Resnick and Juno Empire Natural Resources reporter Kevin Gullifson. This program was recorded on August 27th at KTOO in Juno. Welcome to the Forum Ballot Measure 1, Fish Habitat. This is a co production of KTO
0: Public Media, the Juno Economic Development Council, and the Juno Empire. I'm Natural Resources and General Assignments reporter Kevin Gullifson from the Juno Empire. And I'm Jacob
2: Resnick, Coast Alaska's Regional News Director.
0: We're here with experts and members of the public to discuss Ballot Measure 1, which is set up for a vote in the November general election. This has been a highly contentious initiative. Proponents have gathered 42,000 verified signatures, about 10,000 over the needed threshold to bring the measure to vote. There's been heavy spending on both sides. Public filings show that opponents have raised $5.2 million, while supporters have raised $1,120,000. Tonight will be a chance for both sides to offer their perspective and arguments in a moderated
2: forum as well as take audience questions. And here's a brief overview of what Measure One is designed to do. Under Alaska law, only streams and rivers catalogued by Fish and Game are counted as an fish habitat. The measure changes the law to presume that every freshwater stream connected to marine waters qualifies as potential habitat. It requires documentation from an applicant or developer to to prove otherwise. So essentially it shifts the burden of proof to an applicant to prove a river or stream doesn't have fish spawning in it. It also sets habitat standards, standards that in many cases would require a permit from the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. There would be financial penalties as well as potential criminal charges for negligence or willful violations of a permit. Government entities like cities and boroughs would be exempt, so would federally recognized tribes.
0: Now, to talk about the hows and whys of this, we have Emily Anderson, an attorney who works with the Wild Salmon Center, and Mike Satry of Heckla Greens Creek Mine. Uh, Welcome, both of you. Thank Um, you. Would you like to give a five-minute introduction talking about uh, why you are uh, for, Emily, uh, the ballot measure and Mike is, is against the ballot measure?
3: Sure, yeah, well, first I'd like to really thank the Juno Economic Development Council, KTO, and uh, the Juno Empire for sponsoring this forum. I think this is a really important thing for us to have a dialogue and a discussion about, um, obviously leading up to the election. Uh, I'm speaking in support of ballot measure one. Um, on November 6th, Alaska voters are going to be faced with a really critical decision uh, at the polls when you are asked to vote for ballot measure one. At its core, Measure 1 seeks to update Alaska's 60-year-old law uh, that was established to guide development that has the potential to impact habitat that supports our salmon and other anatomist species. Uh, But this effort is really long overdue. Laws, especially those that are important, as, as important as the law that protects Alaska's fish habitat and fisheries, need to evolve really to meet the realities of modern day development, the advancements in technology and science, as well as the challenges associated with growth and development of the state. Uh, If we have a strong, healthy salmon fisheries law in the future, um, we need to act now to ensure that we have a law in place that truly balances fish habitat protection and healthy salmon populations uh, with responsible development. Now there's really no denying that salmon are one of our most important and vital natural resources. Salmon and other related fisheries support a $2 billion annual economy, 32,500 fishing jobs, communities around the state, and are a way of life for thousands of Alaskans. In addition, in many areas of the state, like Juneau, our tourism economy is driven by visitors coming to Alaska to fish and hunt and oftentimes just view wildlife that supports 43,000 jobs and adds another 4.8 billion annually to the economy of the state. So to say that choosing fish, choosing to vote for our fisheries over our economy is really a false uh, assumption. Fisheries are a main driver of our economy. Uh, When Alaska became a state, the drafters of the Alaska Constitution even recognized the value of these resources and created directives in the Constitution to protect salmon and other renewable resources. Those directives reserved fish, wildlife, and water to the people of Alaska, direct the state to sustainably manage our fisheries, and also directs the legislature to equally prioritize the development of our natural resources with the conservation of those natural resources. And I think that's the key thing that we're seeking to do in ballot measure one. Now, these constitutional directives really discuss, you know, and and have a lot of influence on our, our harvest management. But if we don't have strong habitat management, our fisheries will suffer in this state. The problem is is that the current law is extremely weak. The current law basically directs the, the Commissioner of Fish and Game to issue a permit unless it is insufficient for the proper protection of Fish and Game. But there's no definition of what proper protection of Fish and Game means in statute or regulation. The ballot measure seeks to define what that means to help guide permitting decisions from now and into the future. The ballot measure. Functionally creates habitat protection standards to help guide permitting decision Creates a two-track permitting system so that everyday Alaskans can get their permits very quickly But that large projects that have the potential to damage our fisheries gain more scrutiny and a public process Associated with that so Alaskans gets a chance to weigh in on these important decisions It requires public notice on all permits which has never been done before and again an opportunity for Alaskans to participate in the process it expands fishing game's jurisdiction in a way that allows fishing game to protect habitat more readily than they are currently allowed under current law and it establishes a standard of care so that when we do issue a permit we know that it's a protective permit that's going to balance responsible development with fisheries habitat protection Ultimately, Ballot Measure 1 is an effort to get Alaska ahead of the curve and put a strong fish habitat protection policy in place before we start losing our fisheries like they were lost in the Pacific Northwest. Now contrary to what you might have heard on the TV or radio, Measure 1 is not asking voters to choose between healthy fisheries and the economy, and a strong economy. That is a false choice. That is not what Ballot Measure 1 is doing. Rather measure one ensures that we have a future that envisions both smart and economic growth from all economic sectors including our fisheries sectors and our tourism sectors and healthy salmon runs for future generations.
0: Mike, would you like to give a five-minute introduction, please?
4: Yeah, Thank you very much, and you know, thank you to everyone who's come out here this evening. This is a very important topic uh, here in Alaska, and we appreciate the, the interest that you have, and hopefully we can come away from this evening with a better understanding of both sides, and, and hopefully uh, you have a better indication of which way to vote. Uh, before I get into the details, I want to introduce myself and, and my family and why it's so important to uh, To us that this ballot measure is defeated. I'm the fourth generation of my family to live here in Alaska. My great-grandfather, excuse me, my great-grandfather immigrated uh, into the interior. My grandfather was born in Flat Alaska, right next to the village of Iditarod, and my grandmother was born in Cordova. Uh, They moved here to Juneau. Uh, My father was born and raised here. He uh, grew up on 12th Street over in the Flats, uh, a neighborhood that many of us uh, know well here in Juneau. Um, I was born in Sitka, Uh, was raised here in Juneau, and like my father, I attended Juneau-Douglas High School. Uh, But once uh, I was done there, like many Alaskans, I went south to attend college and start my career. Uh, Luckily, 19 years ago, I had the opportunity to move back to my hometown and work at the Greens Creek Mine, and I've been here ever since. My wife Sarah was born in Kodiak, grew up here in Juneau, went to high school with me. Um, Didn't know her then, but that was probably a good thing. Um, and, but she's starting her 21st year as a public school teacher here in the Juneau School District, teaches 3rd grade out at Oak Bay. We have a daughter, she's 7 years old, she's an avid skier, an avid fisherwoman, and we've had the pleasure of spending the last few weekends of this summer out with her on the boat, filling our freezer with salmon so that it holds hold us in good stead for the rest of the winter. So like many in this audience, we have a deep connection to Alaska, its environment, its fish and its abundant natural resources. We live in a very special place, and we're reminded of that each and every day. But that's why my family is deeply concerned about this ballot measure. This radical scheme that will be placed on the ballot in November threatens our family's jobs. There's no question that it does. And it also threatens the ability of us to raise our daughter in the place that we love. Ballot measure one would eliminate our science-based fish habitat protections or replace it with red tape and complex regulations. This initiative was written and sold to the people of Alaska with the sole intention of stopping certain projects. It was an attempt to ban mines and dams. Luckily, the Supreme Court threw out some of the most egregious provisions, but the fact remains that we have a radical rewrite of our fish habitat regulations that will have significant negative impacts on economic development, communities, and private property. From road safety improvements to projects on the North Slope, this measure is still designed to deter, delay, or stop development. It threatens our jobs, our economy, our rights as property owners, our ability to maintain or develop public infrastructure, and it doesn't do the one thing that we all want to do, and that is to fix our, the problems facing our salmon runs. But none of this should come as a surprise, since this measure, measure was ginned up and funded by outsiders who have no vested interest in this state. So what does this measure do? It declares most of Alaska as an fish habitat, even if there is no water or fish. If you want to do something in that habitat, you're going to need a permit. You're going to need a permit to be an Alaskan. It sets in place a series of vague standards for development in this habitat, along with a cumbersome reconsideration and litigation scheme that is tailor-made to obstruct projects of all sizes. It requires what I call a fish habitat EIS for major permits. And trust me, under this initiative, most activities will need a major permit. It does require public notification and public comment. That's good. We all should have public notification and public comment about what's happening in our state. But this could be done tomorrow through the Department of Fish and Game through regulation. We don't need a deceptive ballot measure to do this. It does not allow for off-site mitigation. And this is a poison pill in the bill that is not often talked about. Offsite mitigation is incredibly important to Alaska projects as given our pristine environment, there's not always an opportunity to mitigate on-site. Our much needed runway safety improvement uh, project here at the Juneau Airport the permanently impacted habitat, relocated a fish stream, and placed fill in an anadromous river, relied on off-site and fee and lieu mitigation in order to mitigate its impacts. If this initiative had been in place, those desperately needed improvements would not have been allowed. Implementation of this initiative will cost the state millions as it adds new personnel to address their significantly expanded permitting responsibilities. When state budgets have already, be, be already been cut to the bone, can we really afford this? Will we cut education funding? To accomplish this, thirty seconds, Mike. This ballot measure is not just a simple update to our existing laws. It will affect all Alaskans and their communities, and that's why over 400 businesses and thousands of Alaskans have joined in this attempt to stop this measure, which has been called foolish and unwise. It's also notable that Governor Walker, Lieutenant Governor Malott, former State Senator, and now candidate, candidate Dunleavy are all on record opposing this initiative. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. And I look forward to answering everyone's questions and convincing you to stand with us and vote no.
0: Emily, would you like to respond to anything Mike just said? You have two minutes.
3: Sure. Well, you know, I, I didn't go into my history here very much in Alaska, but, you know, I am Alaskan as well. I mean, I grew up or I moved here about 15 years ago or so and have had the pleasure of being part of a fishing family. Um, I know what it means to you know rely on our fisheries resources i too care very deeply about this state and i stand with many alaskans that share that belief system and are standing for salmon i think it is a very bold misstatement to suggest that putting habitat protection standards in place to protect our fisheries that and still allow responsible development to move forward it's a bold, bold misstatement to basically say that somehow that choice to put protections in place is going to hurt our economy, shut down our economy. That is just simply not true. Um, having habitat protection standards in place that do not exist in current law, I'm not exactly sure which law Mike is talking about, but we do not have those standards in place in the state of Alaska. I mean, we we need to put these things in place so that we can make good decisions for our future. It is about our future, it is about our families, it is about our kids. And I too look forward to answering some very pointed questions tonight.
2: Thank you. Uh, Mike, would you uh, like to respond to anything that Emily said?
4: Yeah, so fishing, commercial fishing, sport fishing, subsistence use is an incredibly important piece of our economy. And our regulatory standards through that one line in Title 16 has done extremely well over the years. It's allowed our state biologists to adapt to the most current science to implement what they see as the best policy when looking to balance development and habitat protections. And we've done extremely well with that. You know, we are facing some low salmon runs right now. Everyone is on record saying, geez, you know, habitat is fine. Something's happening when those fish are out in the ocean. You know, a great example of that is out in Bristol Bay where maybe those fry went out into the northern ocean, didn't hit the blob, and everything is is good up there for the most part. So, you know, we, we don't know what's happening out there. Our habitat is good. We have balanced development. We have balanced habitat protections over the years, and it gets better because the biologists have the freedom to use the best available science instead of being held to some vague standards that are written by folks that want to stop certain projects from happening in the
1: state. You're listening to Addressing Alaskans on KSKA Anchorage. Today's program is Ballot Measure One, Fish Habitat, featuring representatives on opposing sides of the issue. We just heard Mike Satry speaking against the ballot measure. He's manager of government and community relations for Hecla Greens Creek Mining Company. Jacob Resnick of Coast Alaska speaks next.
2: At this point, we're going to ask the audience if they have questions for uh, either Mike or Emily. We ask uh, for the benefit of the radio audience and TV audience to state your name, the, your home community, and any group affiliation you might uh, be speaking on behalf of this evening. And if uh, you keep your questions to about one minute, we'd appreciate it. And of course, keep them as succinct as possible so we get as many questions in as,
5: mm-hmm. as possible. Tall here. So, my name is Star Parmley. I'm previously of Kodiak for four years and I've lived in uh, Juneau for two years on top of it. Um, I, well, I wouldn't say that I'm from Alaska. I, I have a horse in the game, skin in the game. So, I'm local, locally a fly fishing guide, freshwater, as well as a business owner. Um, I do happen to work for the state in addition to that. But, my question is really based on what I've seen kind of in my travels. I've spent some time down in Seattle and down in the Pacific Northwest, as many of us have, and um, the abundance of salmon is uh, pretty stark in contrast to what we have here in Alaska uh, with our rich natural resources, but my question is actually one for, for both of our um, wonderful people who came to take this opportunity to speak on, on both sides of it, and I do appreciate that. But my question is, what if your opponent's wrong? Emily, would you like to start? addressing this question.
3: Can you repeat <coughs> that? I'm sorry.
5: Yes, um, it's really um, sometimes things are um, a little more effective when we approach them with abundance of caution. Sometimes they're less effective when we approach them with an abundance of caution. So in this case, um, concerning um, your opponent's I guess, um, support or not support of a, of a measure, what if, what if they are wrong? So in this, in this case, it would be Andromeda uh, salmon aren't um, just natively in streams, or at least that's the assumption, <laughs> or they are. And, and maybe what have we seen around to kind of indicate that? Like I think of the Pacific Northwest, not salmon. There weren't the protections. Alaska, more of a fledgling state. We're really developing our, our priorities right now. Are you asking what is, what's
2: at stake, really, here? Is that your question? Are you asking what's at stake in this measure? Yes,
5: exactly. Okay.
2: Pretty broad question. Last one? Sure. Yeah.
3: Uh, I can start. Uh, I think the biggest thing at stake here is that we are, Alaska is the last place in the United States that actually has sustainable fisheries. In the past, 100 years ago, the East Coast had sustainable salmon fisheries. The West Coast had sustainable fisheries, salmon fisheries. And we've seen the slow march of progress and development uh, basically equate to the slow decline decline of salmon fisheries all over the, the lower 48. I think we have a real opportunity here to change that course, to t- change direction. And if we don't take that opportunity, I fear that in 20 years, we all will wish that we did and did something about it. And I think that's the biggest kind of takeaway that I have in supporting this ballot measure because it is a proactive step in maintaining our future and maintaining our strong fisheries for that future.
4: Mike, would you like a a minute? Yeah, um, thank you. you We all value our salmon runs. We know this is really the last great place on earth. That's why we live here, whether we've been here for a few days or for a long period of time. This The problem with this initiative is it takes such a heavy-handed approach in declaring much of Alaska to be anatomous fish habitat. It's a one-size-fits-all approach to a problem that we haven't had yet up here. We haven't had the massive development that's happened down south. It happens in fits and starts here. We've been able to manage it appropriately through the expertise of our our Department of Fish and Game, our Department of Natural Resources, our Department of Environmental Conservation, you know, and of course working hand in hand with the layers of federal permitting that are out there. We know how to do this. We don't need to bring out the big hammer and say that human development should be stopped just as it is today so we don't risk even one more fish out there. Next question, please.
5: Hi there, uh, my name is Tristan Stevens. Um, I am originally from Haines, I was raised there and I've lived in Juneau now for about three and a half years and um, I definitely, at the moment, support the Stanford Salmon cause, but I'd like to say that I speak for myself while I'm up here. So uh, my question is, given sort of the current state of things, the state of the industries that we have, the legislation that we have, do either of you feel that those industries that are really protesting this ballot pose a threat to the jobs of the fishing industry.
0: So uh, Mike, we'll, we'll have you start with this one. I,
4: I think we've proven there's a great balance between the do what people see as the traditional resource industry, whether that's oil and gas or mining or timber and the fishing industry we have. You know here in Southeast Alaska, you know our, our friends and our family, our commercial fishermen, we know how this works. We know that it can work together. When you see fishermen stand in support of the Kensington Mine up north in Berners Bay, we see fishermen stand in support of the Greens Creek Mine where I work at, you know that that balance can happen. And and we we value the fisheries, the fishermen value the mines, we know that working together we can have a robust economy.
3: Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I've heard in the public is that this ballot initiative is being framed as an attack on other industries. And again, I I really beg to differ. This is not about attacking under other industries. I think we do need strong oil and gas development to continue to uh, drive the economy of the state. I think we do need mining in this state. I think we do need timber harvest in this state. All of those Industries and industry sectors are incredibly important to the state the ballot measure simply ensures that we also are balancing Those types of development projects with strong fisheries as well. This is not an attack on industry and contrary to what Mike is basically talking about this is not about shutting down other industries in fact most industries will tell you hey We already protect fish habitat. Well, if that's the case, then why can't you meet these standards? These are very simple, common common sense, scientific-based standards. It's about protecting water quality and water quantity and making sure we have good fish passage. All of those things can be done in a responsible way. And if that is not the case, and if we're not doing it that way, then we better start putting some laws in place. And if we can do it that way, as many of the industry uh, leaders are saying, that they already do these things, well then there shouldn't be a problem with the ballot initiative.
6: Go ahead. Hi, uh, my name is Frank Rue. I was uh, Director of Habitat Division for seven years and Commissioner of fishing Game for eight years. Um, and knowing, knowing the uh, sort of the initiative processes, or what a weak initiative process we have, which basically allows the legislature to amend initiatives right away and repeal them within two years. Um, knowing that, and also uh, drawing on the experience of the late '80s when the timber industry and fishermen and fishing game and DNR sat down and came up with science-based habitat standards for timber harvest along fish streams which were sorely needed. And it was quite a successful effort, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Knowing that, if I would ask, if if the initiative wins, Emily, would you be willing to sit down um, and talk to the industry groups and other users and see if there are areas that need to be amended to make it work for people? And Mike, on your side, if the initiative loses, would you be willing to sit down and look at things that standards, science, science-based science standards that do need to be put in place would be good for fish and would work and come up with a workable uh, fish habitat from your perspective and from other user groups' perspective.
0: Emily, I believe this question was directed to you, so please feel free.
6: Sure, Did I'm,
3: get it? sure. I'm happy to start there. Um, I, this is the great thing about our, our initiative process is that the legislature does have the ability to come in and amend any provisions that are not working for the state of Alaska I do want to step back for just a second though and just just you know talk a little bit about the fact that there was a bill pending in the legislature which we are working very very hard with the legislature to try to get that bill passed to make concessions to ensure that Um, the habitat protection standards in that bill would be good and balanced for all industries in the state. Many of those um, aspects of the HB 199, that piece of legislation, were actually incorporated into the initiative uh, because it was a very public process. There were a lot of people that were commenting. Industry was commenting. The state of Alaska, all the different agencies were commenting and that was also incorporated into the initiative. Nothing drafted in any sort of bill is ever perfect right from the get-go. And so I'd be very, um, you know, I would definitely uh, participate in that process to, you know, talk to different sectors and, and talk about amendments if, if they seem to be needed. Absolutely.
4: So you know, certainly we were very much involved with, with House Bill 199, um, spent many, hours with uh, Representative Stutes and her staff in really educating them about how mining in particular works. That's our area of expertise. That's what we do. And and what we found was that there was uh, a real lack of knowledge of just how this initiative, because it was out at the time. Um, the. Bill, the original bill, would impact our operations. You know, with the way, how we construct things, how we have impacts to the environment, how we mitigate them. And we've been working through that process and certainly would um, if the initiative were to fail. We hope it fails. Um, if people were to bring a bill that brought forth public comment and public notification on fish habitat permits, by all means, that thing should sail through. Absolutely. Do we have an ongoing discussion about what our our sideboards for uh, for regulation should be? Absolutely. But let's not force an eight-page initiative on the Alaskan public and make them vote it up or down.
7: Good evening. My name is Lindsay Bloom. Um, I'm from here in Juneau. I also went to Juneau Douglas High School. I've been involved in actually uh, the commercial fishing industry for generations in my family now um, all of my life Um, i'm not here to speak on behalf of anyone i have worked for conservation organizations i have worked for fish companies i have run my own businesses all the things and you know many of you um, know that and know about who i am Um, i do feel like I, i will get to a question And uh, i got to stick up for myself a little bit, too. And I so appreciate this event. I appreciate um, this great state we live in, this amazing country that we live in, where we have opportunities like this to disagree with each other. Um, But I do think it's important to um, just maintain integrity in dialogues like this by telling the truth. And I do need to stick up for myself and a lot of other Alaskans. Um, One of the first things that you said, Mike, is that this initiative came from outside interests and was written by outsiders. I am standing before you as one of the 12 Alaskan authors of a proposal that was brought to the Board of Fish three or four years ago, 2016, 2017, when we first realized we needed to update Title 16, we need to update this law. That was brought forward by 12 Alaskans. I was one of them. I wrote it. So. I don't know if you want to throw out some names of the outsiders, the big bad guys who wrote this. I'd be happy to talk about it, but it wasn't that. I wish I had $9 million to spend on TV to actually tell Alaskans the truth, unlike you. I don't. So this is as good as it's going to get, and thank you. Um, Please be honest. Yeah, we don't need the spin, and we just need an honest dialogue. Um, Another another,
2: could, could you please state your question?
7: Yeah, I'll get to my okay. question. <laughs> um, you talked about scientific principles. and This could be for either of you. But I guess I'm just curious. You know, in our state sustainable salmon policy and in many scientific approaches to policymaking, um, it's recommended that we take the precautionary approach, which is like when we don't know, we you know, assume um, we take the most caution, whether it's to protect our fish, to protect our clean water, clean air, whatever it might be. In my mind, this, this initiative, the bill before it, the Board of Fish proposal before it, and um, the bill that you know sought to put public notice into the fish and game regulations before that that was opposed by your industry, sought to um, infuse the law with the precautionary approach. Do you disagree with that scientific principle?
4: It was my turn. Yes. So as, to address the question, you, certainly there, you know, from a from a scientific pers- perspective, the precautionary principle is something that, that people need to have on the table. We're evaluating this. However, we have real life experience in regulating our fisheries, regulating our habitat, permitting development in that habitat, and we have shown success in doing that. So we don't need to be afraid of the boogeyman in the closet and say, what could happen? We know how to make this happen. We're good at making this happen. We can make the right choices. Let's make sure the public's involved in those choices. Let's make sure that we have the right people at the table. We're making those choices. And I think that we will still continue to have successful fisheries here in Alaska and a successful state.
0: Mike, I'd like to ask, I think Lindsay was also um Asking about what what outside groups uh, were you referring to earlier when you were talking about the authors of uh, ballot measure?
4: One. Sure. So you know, and we as industry get accused of being outside funding because for my company is based in Coeur d'Alene Idaho or 127 year old mining company oil companies are based elsewhere in the world so we get called outsiders even though we have our ties here in Juneau Um, but when you look at when groups like the New Venture Fund and the Brainerd Foundation and the Hewlett Foundation are pouring money into this providing support employing the heads of the campaigns for the Stand for Salmon group, it makes you wonder, what agenda are we pushing? Especially when you see them at outside conferences touting how this sort of effort, starting with automatic voter registration, moving on to progressive environmental policies, can be used as a way to impact policies in red states throughout the United States. We we are being looked at as an example of how to fundamentally change how we handle democracy in. United States. And that's scary to me as an Alaskan. Let's have a debate about habitat. Let's have a debate about what industries will work and how they will work for us. But let's not be used by money pouring in from outside funds and outside foundations.
2: Emily, would you respond to that?
3: Well, I think as demonstrated by the $10 million, this has flowed into the the opposition um, from outside interests. I think you know it's it's a little hypocritical to actually say that we should, we should be thinking about where the stream of money is coming from. The Stand for, Alaska, or Stand for Salmon campaign, you know, we have over, we just passed 1,200 Alaskans that have contributed to this campaign. It's people opening up their pocketbooks, people giving $50, giving $100, whatever they can afford. This is not an effort that's driven by outside interests. This is a very Alaskan effort, and it's frankly, it's a grassroots effort. It is a movement. And the reason why there is a movement is because even though (laughs) there have been good intentioned people all over the world that have been developing in salmon habitat, we know what happens to those good intentions if we're not careful. Along the the Pacific Northwest Coast, Laws that were very similar to the one that we have in place that supposedly protects habitat led to the demise of those salmon fisheries. I just don't want to have a future in Alaska that looks like the Pacific Northwest, a future where we don't have salmon. And I think that it's a red herring to call out the Stand for Salmon campaign, the Stand for Salmon effort, and say that somehow this is driven by anything except for the best interests and and from actual Alaskans that are supporting this effort.
1: This is KSKA Anchorage. You're listening to Addressing Alaskans. Today's show is Ballot Measure One, Fish Habitat, a forum featuring guests on opposing sides of the issue. We just heard from Emily Anderson, Alaska Program Director for Wild Salmon Center, speaking in support of the ballot measure. This program was presented by KTOO Public Media, the Juneau Economic Development Council, and the Juneau Empire. It was recorded on August 27th at KTOO in Juneau.
2: We'll go back to the audience, please, for the next question.
8: Yeah, thank you very much, and thank you for um, participating in this in this debate, because I, uh, too, agree that it's, it's very important for us as Alaskans to have this conversation. My name is John Moeller. I'm a lifetime Alaskan. I've been commercial fishing my entire life. I'm a subsistence uh, fisher. I brought my 12-year-old boy with me because he's been my deckhand since he was five, and I think this is a strong enough issue and important enough issue that um, that will affect his life one way or the other if it's passed. Now, I think it's a little tidbit disingenuous. Um, uh, it tends to get that way when when issues like this hit the ballot, hit the initiative process. Um, as a lifetime harvester of fish. And for thousands of years before that, my Aleut people harvesting fish, and the state of Alaska being one of the only states, if not the only state, with with our fisheries resource actually in this constitution. I think it's disingenuous to compare other states and other fisheries with our state. Now, to my question, I'm just a tad bit confused on how this initiative. Uh, is specifically out there and I guess this question would be for you Jill is specifically out there and what's in it that is gonna is gonna make um, my subsistence harvest and or my, uh, my commercial livelihood um, last into the future as I understand it, the science hasn't been done with respect to habitat um, uh, Anything that's not happening with habitat protection that's going to increase or sustain our salmon any longer. For me, I think it's a it's a little bit backwards in terms of process. I can understand your frustration with maybe the legislature not moving as fast as you like, but I'd be a little more uh, sensitive to that um, if, I, if if we were re- actually having some salmon issues. We have our peaks and spikes as we always have in our salmon industry. Um, so my question to you, Jill, is do you truly believe that we have actually done the science um, before this initiative, to justify having this conversation about um, increasing habit, habitat protections, not knowing whether it's going to what way it's going to affect and maybe the adverse effects it may have on other industries. Thank you, Emily. I believe you was referring that. Yeah. Question. Yeah,
3: yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Uh, thanks for that question.
8: Sorry, I was talking to Jill back here. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, <coughs> thanks for the question. And uh, honestly, I, I've heard this question a lot. And it boils down to what is the problem? Demonstrate that we have a habitat issue. Demonstrate that we have a problem in the state. And I think you know, what we have to do is look at where we are starting to suffer declines not based on ocean conditions, or based on you know fluctuations in natural populations, but where we are starting to have declines, where our state managers are starting to actually say, hey, these declines are linked to habitat loss. And I think one of the biggest places in the state that we're seeing those declines is in the Matsu. Uh, I recently was in the Matsu giving a presentation to the Meadow Lakes Community Council, and when asked from the opposition, demonstrate the problem, almost every hand in that room shot up because they are kind of at the epicenter right now of where habitat loss is directly influencing our fisheries. Now, there are other places in the state where we don't have that yet. The point is, is that if we were being very careful in the Matsu when we were rushing to develop, it was a big, fast-growing area of the state, we would have made decisions potentially a little differently. Right now, the Department of Fish and Game is doing a great job of working with Habitat. Uh, the Habitat Division is working with the borough, they're working with local community members to restore some of the links to that habitat. But just to say that we don't have those problems here in the state is is false. And you can go to Fish and Game's website and you can see all the studies that they've done out there. You can talk, actually see how they're linking the stocks have yield concern to habitat loss in that area of the state. And it's a cautionary tra- tra- uh, tale, because we don't want that to happen in other areas of the state.
2: Mike, would you like to respond to that?
4: Yeah. Um, so, what we're hearing is that it's just normal human development that is the death by a thousand cuts that we're all afraid of. We're not looking at single projects. Um, which is a little odd to me because when I was approached by a signature gatherer for this um, initiative, they said, they looked at me and said, do you want to stop Pebble? I took some time to try to explain why I did much more than that, but he was getting paid and I respect uh, the free market and he moved on and tried to get somebody else to sign it. Other people were asked, do you want to stop this or sit in the dam? What we aren't looking at are the details here. So if we're looking at the details of how we look at, at developing our communities, Um, Maybe we should look at what we've done here in Juneau. Uh, I had the pleasure of sitting on the local planning commission with uh, former Commissioner Rue for a number of years. And here in Juneau, we have the Juneau Wetlands Management Plan, much of which is anatomous fish habitat. We've been able to categorize things in terms of very high value down to low value wetlands. We've tried to push development to low value areas or off of wetlands altogether to do our best to try to avoid impacting habitat. Were we perfect? No, because when the valley, for example, was first developed, maybe we encroached a little further than we should have, should have. But now we have setbacks. Now we have the ability to look at what are the best places to, to allow housing development we can move forward. We don't need a state initiative that effectively will stop mining activities because of that poison pill I talked about, the lack of the ability to, to use off-site mitigation. Removing that stops my project. It stops any future expansion that we have. And that puts <coughs> our family at risk. It puts the community of Juneau at risk when operations like that are prematurely stopped. So let's, let's look at the bottom up. Let's, let's go to our communities. Let's find good ways to regulate how we're doing. Housing development, roads, trails, et cetera. Let's not use the big hammer to really stop the, the, the economic generators in our state. Thank you. Go to the next question, please.
9: Thank you. Uh, My name is Jill White. I have lived in Juneau for 12 years, um, and I am asking this question on behalf of myself as an individual. Um, I served as a Compliance and Enforcement Officer for the Department of Environmental Conservation for four years prior to the work that I do now, which is in fact in salmon conservation. Um, Part of the reason I transitioned was because I saw a lot of the ineffectiveness of our regulatory structure in the State of Alaska. And Mike, you continue to reference your offsite mitigation, which um, I believe an enforcement action was was issued uh, for that. Uh, It didn't move forward because of the fact that we want, we as the State of Alaska, want to ensure compliance with our large-scale industrial projects and proponents for projects. Long and short, um, you've referenced trust and the fact that you have these regulations in place and that you know how to do it. You've said that multiple times. Uh, I had the pleasure of learning about all of these industries uh, through my work with the state of Alaska and I certainly learned a lot, but the biggest thing, knowing that a lot of these industries are trying, is that I've seen firsthand how regulated our fisheries are in the state of Alaska and I've seen how unregulated our mining industry is and in fact have issued multiple notices of violation to in fact your operation. Therefore I, my question to you is why should Alaskans who want to support balanced development which I very much do as well, why should we trust you as a spokesperson
4: for this? Thank you for your question. I challenge anybody who thinks that mining is unregulated to come spend time at our operation. Starting with safety, we are constantly visited by federal officers, but that, that's safety, that's not environment, that's not what we're talking about tonight. But we have ongoing visits from the Department of Natural Resources, Department of Environmental Conservation fish and game. We work hand in hand with them to make sure that we're doing the best we can. Have we had violations? Absolutely. So has every industry in this state. But what we do is when we have those violations, we do a root cause analysis. We figure out what happened and why. And we figure out better ways to do things. And that's the partnership that we have with our regulatory agencies. That's what allows us to continue operating you know, for decades now, to con- continue contributing to the economy of Juno, providing jobs for my family, maintaining the environment out in Admiralty Island in a national monument. We're proud of our location. We're proud of our record, works and all, because we learn from it and we get better every time. And I, if if folks think that we're not regulated, come join us for a while. Mike, I'd like are. to
2: ask if. You work hand-in-hand with, uh, with state regulators, the different agencies. What specifically in this uh, uh, proposed law would you find that would be unworkable to work with the uh, agency? It would, be, it would be the same state biologists and the same fisheries managers.
4: So, I yeah, no, appreciate the question. So the difference here is, and and yeah, the existing Title 16 is, is high level. It's somewhat vague. And But when I say we know how to do it, what I really mean is our fish and game biologists? our agencies know how to work within that umbrella to bring best available practices to that operation. Now, if this passes, we'll have something that is coded in statute, and can't be changed for a period of time. And then, quite frankly, if any of you have been waiting for the legislature to do anything the last couple of years, probably won't be changed for a while, regardless of what political perspective you might have. So for us, the number one thing that causes problems is the inability to use off-site mitigation. We're in a national monument. We're building a permanent earthwork with our tailings facility. We have to permanently impact wetlands. We're not allowed through this initiative to use any other water body, any other fish habitat to reconstruct, to uh, uh, to lift up or to upgrade or to do anything you know that, that is not right there so in our last tailings expansion we were impacting 13 acres of wetlands which would be anatomous fish habitat under this initiative and we had to go to, to get 56 acres roughly 50 some acres over on Douglas Island put that into a conservation easement do some remediation work on historical mining activities to make up for that 13 acres of impact because there is nothing to upgrade where we're at We're permanently putting tailings onto to to habitat. Now, we have already worked through the normal permitting process of avoid and minimize, and you're left with mitigate. So our engineering, we definitely avoid and minimize, but at some point in time, there's a permanent type of impact, just like a parking lot at a grocery store, just like Egan Drive, just like our airport, um, just like uh, anything that we would construct um, to support our community. I have to ask uh, Emily, we do get this
2: question a lot, though, about uh, would this measure imperil existing operations like Greens Creek Mine or Kensington? What do you tell people in response to that or the word that, that, that existing operations wouldn't be able to meet the standards set by this ballot measure?
3: I think that many existing operations will be able to meet the standards set in the ballot measure. Um, there is a grandfather clause in- included in the ballot measure that's very typical in not only ballot measures but also pieces of legislation. But
2: it's only for the life of the existing permit though, right?
3: It is for the life of the existing permit or until you have to expand or do something like that. Um, most permits that are issued for you know large projects that have already been permitted to damage or replace basically Uh, salmon habitat you don't get a new permit to do it you know you don't need your basically your permit doesn't ever expire because you've already been permitted to damage and destroy that basic area essentially so the idea that somehow that would you know trigger existing operations necessarily is is just not true however Uh, As Mike mentioned, it would be triggered if there was an expansion of your existing project and again This is very typical in any sort of law now to say that every sort of Expansion would not be able to meet the standards in the law, I I don't think that's true at all I think that there are plenty of ways to do it Um, Mining industry for instance may have to change some of the techniques and things that they're doing greens Creek for instance um, I've read quite a bit about Green's Creek, and honestly, I, th- I think that there's a lot of good practices that are happening there. For instance, dry stacking the tailings to try to reduce the amount of damage and potential um, toxic seed in, into fish habitat and things like that. But there is a point in time when it becomes unacceptable to the people of Alaska to say we are going to use our salmon habitat as disposal sites for mining waste. And I think that's the thing that we have to think about. Is that something that we, as Alaskans, are going to accept now and into the future? And, you know, if we're asking Canada to change their practices with respect to the transboundary mines um, that are, and the waterways that are flowing, to protect the waterways that are flowing into, into Juneau and, and southeast Alaska, shouldn't we have the same standards in place?
1: You're listening to Addressing Alaskans on KSKA Anchorage. Today's program is Ballot Measure 1, Fish Habitat, a forum featuring representatives from both sides of the issue defending their positions and taking questions from the audience. We just heard Emily Anderson from Wild Salmon Center speaking in support of the ballot measure. The program will conclude with final thoughts from the guests.
2: I really want to apologize to people who are waiting to standing. Um, we're actually have to go to closing statements now, but both Mike Satry and Emily Anderson have, have agreed to stick around to the end to take questions one-on-one. So at this point, we have to go to Mike Satry from uh, Heckler Green's Creek Mine for closing statement. And I think you have about three, three and a half sure. minutes. Yeah, that's fine.
4: Yeah. So you know, once again, thank you for being here this evening. This, this is an issue that we're all passionate about on both sides. We, if you're like my family, you're very concerned about the state of the economy in Alaska, you're concerned about your ability to survive here in Alaska, and you want to make sure that we're doing what we can to protect the things that make us Alaskan, that make us want to live here. Salmon habitat is one of them, there's no question but I think we have a wonderful track record of protecting salmon habitat. Can we get better? Yeah, we can. Are there tweaks that can be made to the process? Yeah, let's do that. But there's a better way to do it than this initiative that we have in front of us here today. There's no question that this initiative, if passed, will have a significant impact on our economy. We're already facing 7% unemployment. For the last five years, more people have been moving out of Alaska than have been moving in. That's scary to us. It's scary to my wife that we see enrollment in junior schools continue to decline. What are we going to do to make sure that our economy prospers? We need to make sure that mining, oil and gas, timber, fishing, tourism are all working in concert together. That we, so that we have, can have a robust economy. And that means there's a balance out there that has to be had. I was driving down Egan Drive the other day, and my daughter in the back seat says, Daddy, is Egan Drive in the wetlands? I said, yes. She says, well, why did they do that? It killed habitat. I know we're learning some good lessons these days. I said, it does, but it's a balance. We need a road. We need access back and forth between the valley and town, and to wind that road all the way through, like Old Glacier Highway did, wouldn't support the town of 30,000-plus people we have now. She nodded back there and chewed on that for a bit. I'm, I'm not sure if she'll come back at me with another question, but ultimately, we as Alaskans need balance. This initiative will put us out of balance. It will be a threat to my way of life. I don't think that the status quo will be a threat to anybody's way of life. But thank you for your time this evening.
0: Emily, go ahead.
3: Sure. You know, it's, I think this has been a really interesting debate, and I, I very much appreciate the opportunity <coughs> to talk um, and answer questions about this important issue and topic. Um, You know, I think the thing that's really most interesting is I just heard Mike talk a lot about balance, and I think that is what we are trying to establish with this measure, with Ballot Measure 1, is to restore the balance that has been eroded, essentially, in our state laws um, since the time of statehood. When the first initial fish habitat protection law was passed, it was passed shortly after statehood, and one of the main drivers for becoming a state at the time was people's desire to take back control of our fisheries. Those fisheries had been mismanaged by the federal government at the time, and that's why we see these directives in our constitution, basically directives to protect fish habitat and fisheries, reflected in our constitution. And it was designed to establish balance, not, not you know. It wasn't designed to shut down industry. It wasn't designed to impede our economic development. It was designed to ensure that our fisheries would always be at the forefront of those decisions. Over time, especially over the last 10 years, we have seen the erosion of our state laws that were designed to protect fisheries, such as the repeal of the Alaska Coastal Management Program. That allowed local governments to actually set habitat based standards to design, or design and develop projects in a way that it was also balanced with strong fisheries. Um, that process also allowed Alaskans to have a voice in that process. And there are ways for people to challenge those decisions if state managers were doing something that was contrary to the interests of local governments and to citizens of Alaska. That has all been lost. And this is our opportunity to really dig in and to vote on this very, very important law. Voting for ballot measure one is not a vote against the economy. It is a vote for healthy fisheries and a healthy, responsible economy moving forward. Um, It's a false choice to say you have to pick one or the other. You can have both, and ballot measure one establishes that. So I hope that anybody here who is still intrigued enough to find out a little bit more will go and visit StandForSalmon.org. You can ask questions directly to our website. I will get those questions. I will call you and have a discussion about it. Um, But I hope you will choose to stand with all thousands of Alaskans that support this effort and vote yes on November 6th.
0: Thank you. So this has been Ballot Measure One uh, Forum on Fish Habitat. I'm uh, Kevin Gullifson. I'm a natural resources reporter with the Juno Empire. We'd like to thank uh, the Juno Economic Development Council, KTO Public Media, um, and the Juno Empire for putting this on. And also a, a big thank you to our uh, two experts here tonight, Emily Anderson uh, and Mike Satry.
1: Thanks for listening to Addressing Alaskans today on Alaska Public Media. We just heard Ballot Measure One, Fish Habitat, featuring Mike Satry, Manager of Government and Community Relations for Hecla greens Creek Mining Company, and Emily Anderson, Alaska Program Director for Wild Salmon Center. Coast Alaska News Director Jacob Resnick and Juneau Empire natural resources reporter Kevin Gullifson moderated the discussion. The event was presented by KTOO Public Media, the Juneau Economic Development Council, and the Juneau Empire, This program was recorded on August 27th at KTOO in Juneau. We had production help from Jeremy Shea. If you missed part of this show or would like to hear more, visit the Addressing Alaskans page at alaskapublic.org. For KSKA, I'm Ammon Swenson. Addressing Alaskans is a production of Alaska Public
0: Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Theme music is by Patrick Lee. The views expressed are those of the hosts and participants and do not reflect KSKA or its underwriters. To let us know about an upcoming community event that you would like to hear on Addressing Alaskans, just go to our website at alaskapublic.org and click on Contact Us at the bottom of the page. Learn more about Addressing Alaskans and listen online at alaskapublic.org.